Matthew 14 about the disciples being on the water in a boat and Jesus coming to them. And in the story, they think that they see a ghost. And uh, you may have also noticed that I changed my title this week from Against the Wind to Holy Foolishness. And so you can, you can decide whether our technical difficulties uh, have anything to do with Bob showing up and being that ghost that we see in the story. We start in uh, chapter 14, uh, verses 22 through 33. Hear the words of the gospel. Immediately he made the disciples go into the boat, head to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him saying, Truly you are the Son of God. May the Lord bless the reading of this living word, and may the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Was Jesus, was Peter walking out on those waves faith or foolishness? What do you think? The line between faith and foolishness often only becomes discernible in hindsight. And even in our hearing of this story, it is blurry at best. Some might say that Peter was testing Jesus. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. But Jesus doesn't interpret it this way, and even if it does, it doesn't seem to bother him. He doesn't rebuke Peter or discourage him. He doesn't tell him to stay in the boat. Jesus invites him to come closer. And so Peter steps out of the boat into the raging sea, not only risking his life, but defying what he would have known to be the separation between humanity and divinity, which he would know that only gods can walk on the water. He would be defying what we know of as the laws of gravity and physics. But the incredible thing is that it works. Peter is bold and decisive. He trusts his gut. He trusts Jesus. He doesn't overthink it if he thinks about it at all. 
while the rest of the disciples are holding on to the mass for dear life, Peter is doing a cannonball to jump in after Jesus. And though this tendency often gets Peter in trouble, it also makes Jesus love having him around. It also makes Jesus call Peter an example of what it means to truly have faith. The story about Peter forces us to ask the question, what would be possible in our lives? What would be possible in our life together if we ran after Jesus with such reckless abandon? Could we walk on water? Probably not. But I don't think that's the real miracle here. The real miracle for me is that Peter could focus on anything except for the storm. The disciples had literally been fighting the winds and the waves all night. After the crowd, Jesus had fed the crowd's dinner, He sent them in a boat ahead of Him. And almost as soon as he left the, they left the shore, Matthew writes in the Greek that the boat was tortured by the waves. This went on for hours with Jesus not showing up until the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between three and six in the morning. And even when Jesus does show up, they think He's a ghost. They're almost as afraid of Him as they are of the storm. But somehow Peter is able to tune out the winds and the waves and give his full attention to Jesus. Somehow when everyone else is trembling with anxiety, Peter is filled with boldness, even excitement. His steps are sure even on the chaotic waters. I wonder if Peter's willingness to do something that seems so impossible to everyone else around him is rooted in his gut, gut sense that anything is possible. But, but when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened. This is a remarkable statement. Peter was somehow just noticing the wind that he and his fellow disciples had been tortured by all night. Peter was so caught up in the presence of Jesus, so laser-focused on running toward Him that he had forgotten how hard the wind was blowing and also that you can't really walk on water. Peter had heard Jesus say, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. But he didn't just say, it is I. He said, ego am I. It is I am. He used the name that's not really a name that God gave to Moses through the burning bush. I am who I am. And Peter was like Moses, transfixed. He took off his sandals to step onto holy water to walk toward the wild and wondrous God who called out from him from the waves. Marcus Borg writes that being a disciple means choosing to defy conventional wisdom to live a life centered on the alternative wisdom of Jesus. He says that conventional wisdom is our culture's most taken-for-granted notions about what is real and about how to live. It was taken for granted in Jesus' time that the sea was a chaotic place of death. The word sea itself was derived from the, the name of an ancient Babylonian deity. It carried connotations of evil 
and godlessness for Jews, even these former fishermen like Andrew and Peter. While this conventional wisdom told the other disciples how to live, keeping them safe in the boat, it also blinded them to what Borg would call the wondrous reality in which we live. The reality beneath what feels like reality. That no matter how hard and cruel our world is, it is also enchanted by the presence of God. The reality that Jesus was standing right in front of them in the place that they least expected Him. Peter was caught up in alternative wisdom. The wisdom of the Spirit who hovered over troubled waters to bring order to chaos at creation. The wisdom of the Lord who parted the Red Sea for Israel to walk on dry land. The wisdom of Jesus who said, come out to me on the waves. But suddenly conventional wisdom caught up with Peter. He noticed the wind and he thought, I'm going to die. And that's when he sunk. But Peter had little enough faith to know whose hand to reach for. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out His hand and caught him. And Jesus said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? The word that Jesus uses for doubt is distazo. It doesn't mean skepticism. It doesn't mean that Jesus was pointing to Peter's intellectual doubts about him being the Son of God or about what it was possible for God to do through him in the world. Distazo means to vacillate, to go back and forth, to second guess, to be paralyzed by indecision. Jesus was telling Peter, don't look back, keep walking. This is so hard for us right now. In these uncharted waters we're traveling, it feels impossible to know what course to take. None of us have been here before, and so every decision about what to do and where to go and how to keep ourselves safe feels so high stakes. But as Emily P. Freeman writes, faith is often just about doing the next right thing. It's about being like Peter and trusting your gut and walking forward without overthinking it. Even if other people see that it feel other people perceive that it's foolish, even if other on second thought it actually is foolish. Because whether we believe or doubt, Jesus will always be there to grab our hand when we sink. What might God do in us and through us if we had a little had little enough faith to get out of the boat like Peter? If we had little enough faith to follow the alternative wisdom of the Jesus who calls out to us from the storm. If we had little enough faith to take the risk to try to do what conventional wisdom says is impossible. The conventional wisdom of our time could be described in many ways, but it seems that they all begin with fear. Fear that there is not enough money Fear that there, is not, there are not enough resources. Fear that there is not enough power or influence for all of us to share. 
which all leads to fear of one another and us versus them thinking. It leads to what Schuyler talked about when we want to blame somebody or some group of people for what's happening. It leads to polarization and dehumanization and violence and destruction. And these fears lead to pessimism. The fear that, that nothing can really change. And cynicism, the fear that everybody is really only in it for their own good and their own interest. And the only way to survive is to just to do the same. And of course, the onset of COVID-19 has been the perfect storm for what was already brewing within us. But the truth is that even though we haven't been here, we have survived hard times before. We have overcome hard times before. We have taken big risks like Peter. And we have done the things that seemed like they were impossible. I think of those boys and girls growing up in the Great Depression who heard Franklin Delano Roosevelt say, that there's nothing to fear but fear itself. I think of my granddaddy Charles who dropped out of school when he was a teenager in the 1930s to get a job to support his family. I'm sure he was racked with anxiety and fear, but he just did the next right thing. And then he did it again a few years ago, joining the service and signing up to fight. Hundreds of thousands of men and women would rush to do what they thought would be the next right thing, to enlist after the attack on Pearl Harbor. Many of them lying or getting their parents to sign papers early for them to go when they were underage. Millions of them would serve at home or abroad as the war waged on, some on the front lines, but even more in factories and on farms and in households. They rationed and they sold war bonds. They did everything they could to come together and to overcome the challenges that they faced. There were many moments in that history, if you look back, that the fight seemed lost, when they could have given up, when things seemed dark. But they stayed in the struggle. And eventually they defeated the powers within themselves and within their enemies, wreaking havoc and bringing death and destruction in this world. They hoped against all hope and they put their faith into action. They denied themselves and they made sacrifices for each other. They stayed the course and they did the impossible one step at a time. Two years before the world war would end, on February 3rd, 1943, the USAT Dorchester was hit by a German torpedo with 900 men on board. About a third of the men on the ship were killed immediately, but 230 of them were rescued just a few minutes later, just a few minutes before they froze to death in the icy North Atlantic. And many of those who survived told the story of the four chaplains who saved their lives. After calmly distributing the life preservers and helping the other men abandon ship, they gave up their own life preservers. And then they locked arms in prayer. One Jewish rabbi, one Catholic priest, 
and two Protestant members, ministers praying together as the ship went down. I don't know how they decided to go down with the ship. I don't know what they said to God and each other as that salty, oil-fouled water rose all around them. But I know that they saw the Lord of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, once again parting the waters. I know that they saw Jesus the Christ beckoning them from the waves, reaching out to take their hands. And in those last moments, it wasn't their fear that made them sink. It was their faith. May we go and do likewise. May we have the faith to defy the conventional wisdom that tells us that we need to live for ourselves. May we trust the alternative wisdom of Jesus. The wisdom that tells us not to fear because Jesus is present even in the stormy waters. The wisdom that tells us that to gain our lives, we have to risk them and even lose them. The wisdom that tells us that redemption is found in the self-giving love of Jesus who gave His life for us and was raised to abundant life. Life that we can find when we die to ourselves and let God love us and let God live through us to love others. Conventional wisdom might say that this is all foolishness. But God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. May God bless you with enough foolishness to step out on the stormy waters and put your faith in Jesus this morning. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can really make a difference in this world so that you are able, with God's grace, to do what others claim cannot be done. May it be so with us. Amen.